0: Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process.
1: We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to Menlo Midweek, everyone. I'm back.
0: He's back. And
1: Jess is here, as
0: always. You were missed, but I will say... As your voice is wonderful, mm. but Keith Riley, I told him, Ooh, him yeah. and Matt Summers and Scott Pombush need a podcast just called Deep Voices.
1: That has a lot of meanings to it. I kind of like that. I know. All right, I know. We'll round here. Just TM. Read, TM. just read poetry.
0: Oh, yeah. And Matt's here, too, everybody. Hey,
1: everyone. <laughs> Which Matt? Thrilled to be here. Matt
2: Stefan. There's a lot of Matt's.
0: This is a special coming to you Menlo Midweek. We had campus preaching this weekend. So if you were watching online or in San Mateo, you got to see Matt. If you weren't, you saw a live somebody else. But uh, we decided we did a eeny meeny miny mo and landed on Matt for us.
2: I'm thrilled. (laughs) I'm honored. Super look forward to being here with
1: y'all. Thank you for having me. It's great having you here. And I really love when you preach for us because you just bring such fun and I would say a very unique, intelligent perspective on everything. And as we were talking to you before your message, that perspective also brought a story about a monkey
2: (laughs) and we got to talk about
0: that. I knew it would come back.
2: Uh, I didn't know how early in the podcast we're going to get to the monkey, but just right off the bat. Let's do it. You know, you've, uh, you've missed on your sermon. If people are like, this is a sermon, a podcast about the sermon, but let's talk about something completely different. <laughs> no, I get that.
1: Yeah. Let's talk the monkey. Yes. So you showed mm. me a picture of you and Jessica, which would I look like a few years back. Or yeah. So
2: that's like four and a half years yeah. ago. Okay.
1: Yeah. And there was a monkey in the background of your picture Yeah. and it wasn't at the zoo. Nope. It looked like it was in one of the lobbies of our campuses.
0: Can we just leave it at that?
2: Yep, that's a story. No explanation. It's
0: great. <laughs> so Matt and I used to do student ministries at our Mountain View campus. Love you, Mountain View people. And we did really weird stuff. It was so weird. <laughs> but it was. Don't tell anybody else. But this was probably the best season I had in student ministries.
2: I had a blast. I'm
0: really nervous that someone is listening like, what the heck? Yeah. It was all well, wonderful. To be
2: fair, there are metrics around how awesome it was. We had one monkey. True. They had zero. So if you just measure it in terms <laughs> of <winning> monkeys.
0: Winner. <laughs> <laughs> so for, we were trying to remember why exactly, but we, it was your last Sunday as the student instructor. You yeah. You got the job at the San Mateo campus pastor. Yeah. And. We think maybe we had the kids vote on what they wanted to do for your last Sunday. That's right. And have a monkey come.
2: Was on the monkey photo booth, basically. It might have been a vote. Was it a spin the wheel?
0: Oh. Because we used to
2: spin the wheel. That's it was always fun, monkey was and, always the on wheels. there, and monkey was always on there. <laughs>
0: it's all coming back to me now. It,
2: it was on there for like eighteen <laughs> straight months, and nobody spun to where it landed on monkey and then for our my yeah. last Sunday there,
0: yeah, I think we rigged the, it, so it had to land oh it was on maybe monkey. all monkey yeah I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I will try and put a picture the picture in the show notes, somehow yeah, sure. I don't know if that's possible, but well.
2: Uh, you know, rabbit trail here. How many species of monkey are there?
0: Oh my gosh!
2: I'd... Bajillion, right? Yeah. This yeah. is the kind of monkey with extremely pointy, <laughs> terrifying teeth. So I don't and it know. Would
0: smile. Yeah. And show its teeth, but it didn't look mm. like a smile.
2: Yeah, and, and was, I. Yeah. I said this earlier, but you can tell me if you remember this. I remember the owner of the monkey, the trainer. What do you call him? The
0: trainer. The yeah. monkey
2: guy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Uh, I remember him saying, don't touch the monkey, it will touch you. (laughs) And we stood, if you see the picture, you'll Mm -hmm. see, we stood to where the monkey's head was like in between our heads and it put its hands on our shoulder. Like that's what it was trained to do.
0: (laughs) There's a series of photographs and some of them were smiling. And there's one where we both look like, please get us out of here. (laughs) Yeah, totally. We've been kidnapped by this monkey.
2: Okay, tell me if you remember this. There was a point for me... On Monkey Day. <laughs> monkey Day.
0: M-Day, as we call it. Yeah,
2: we call it. <laughs> That's right. Once I met the monkey and the monkey guy, I wondered if it was a good idea. <laughs> Did you <laughs> Did you have that?
0: Oh, yeah. I was like, well, Matt's leaving, so if anything, I'm getting fired. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then there's no student pastor.
2: Yeah. Uh, I-, I was not imagining that monkey. <laughs> <laughs> or more specifically i was not imagining those teeth
1: yeah.
2: near our precious and beloved middle schoolers and yeah. high schoolers who as we talked about i think part of the punchline of the story is we love those kids
0: yeah
2: i loved that season it's so great uh, of my career loved working with you and it's fun because in the pandemic kids that graduated then are graduating college now and so many of them i got to have like let's talk for 30 minutes over zoom and you know i did not bring it up m day with them (laughs) uh but that was such a fun season and i just feel so grateful looking back over it and sometimes we get to remember the incredibly weird (laughs) stuff we did
0: there you go mark
1: that sounds like a doozy of a story that's right that's right. And speaking of doozies, you had a few of those in your sermon from this past weekend. So Matt, if you could just give us a, a summary yeah. of the sermon again, we're in our being human series where we're trying to figure out
2: what it means to be a human. Yep. Uh, okay. This passage, like I've always wanted to preach on this passage, but once I spun the thing and it came <laughs> to, I'm <laughs> the guy preaching Second uh, Samuel chapter 6. It's the passage where people, when you think of God smites someone, this Mm -hmm. is it. Hmm. God smites Uzzah for touching the Ark of the Covenant. And there's just no way to smoothly introduce that. (laughs) Like, there's no funny story I can tell to, like, ease our way into it. So I just said, this is a doozy. Here are some synonyms for the word doozy. And we're going to jump right in. (laughs) Uh And there's no other way I could think of to say, (laughs) here we go. But when you pay attention to the details of this whole passage, like there's this big contrast. Uzzah is kind of ignoring the presence of God and the details and it costs him his life. David's paying very careful attention to the presence of God and the details and it brings him great joy. And so this is a passage about the choice that we make when we worship. Are we going to like go for it and find joy and life in it? Or are we going to go through the motions or not pay attention and be inattentive? And one of the things I had to do in the sermon was apologize. I spent, you know, 15 years telling people, God loves you. has so much grace. Mm -hmm. Whatever you've done, he's still pursuing you. But I might have undersold the part where, and it's really dangerous. Like if you... Know God a little bit and they're gonna ignore him. That is a dangerous place to be. And that's part of what this passage is sharing with us. So the only word I could think of to capture all of that was doozy. Mm -hmm. It's a doozy of a passage. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that it's true because I think you read that with not digging deeper into the context and all of that. You're like, this guy was actually trying to help.
2: Yeah, totally. He was trying
0: to save the Ark of the Covenant from falling on the ground. And how bad
2: would you feel? If you dropped it. Yeah. Right.
0: And it's your fault that this guy died, kind of.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: it's wild. Pretty sure
2: you could get canceled for that nowadays. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, you mean it's the true. guy who dropped the Ark? Yeah. Exactly. I unsubscribed from him. Yeah. We straight can't away. Ta- we
0: can't say his name anymore. Mm-hmm. He got yeah. canceled for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when you read this passage, you have all this like empathy for Uza. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of hard to get past that. Right. But yeah, we tried to at least. <clears throat>
1: And there was a lot of themes that you had to pull from. I mean, somehow you connected that story with worship and what it means to be in God's constant presence. And so, how did you make that connection? Because when when I read about someone getting smited, I don't immediately go to worship. Yeah,
2: totally. Uh, yeah, it's like it depends on what we think of as worship. And mm-hmm. you know, one part I didn't include in this sermon was like, what do we think of when we say the word worship? You know, we mostly think of gathered church and singing. Right. But, <clears throat> um, you know, that's not what's going on at all in this passage. Although there is a lot of singing and it is very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, you know, worship is this mindset to say, I'm going to pay attention to God's presence and do what he asked me to do. Mm. And that's this thing that should define our whole lives. And we can grow into that place where that kind of worship is, is defining us. And ultimately... As empathetic as we can be for Uza and his mistake, he's in danger because he's not living that way and he hasn't for decades, right? That he's been, the ark's been at his house pretty much his whole life, and yet he's grown up sort of ignoring it, ignoring the details, inattentive, and not surrendering himself to the purposes of God and therefore he's in danger Mm -hmm. and David by contrast does all the opposite good stuff he's highly attentive to what God wants he's Mm -hmm. deeply engaged with God he worships he minds all the details in this extravagant way and it's this real blessing for David so the contrast is there but yeah what you know just for the modern reader God smiting someone blinds you to Mm -hmm. everything else right so yeah yeah tricky and I,
1: I appreciated how you defined worship as well. I think at one point you said that it, you, you worship God by attentiveness to his presence and his will in whatever circumstance or situation that is. And also just worship is surrendering to God's will over your own. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. circumstantially, that looked a lot different between the two people you pointed out. And I loved how you bridged the gap between circumstance and worship and worshiping just because good things are happening.
2: Right yeah and that's a trap. you know anybody who's tried following Jesus, that's a trap. You just feel so good and worshipful when things are going good and it's mm-hmm. sunny mm-hmm. uh and you go get into a different season where it's more painful and the circumstances are worse, and the desire to worship in that way just dries up right, and yeah. it becomes much more of a deliberate choice, a discipline that we have to make um, yeah, and I think especially just you know, the last month I've been thinking about this passage, like, yeah, okay. Anytime I'm miserable, I'm just going to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to worship you right now. Mm. And I'm like, holy moly, this, this really works, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, it's like a lifestyle choice that touches every part of your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're living through a season of human history where it's like, We have more material, whatever, whatever, than ever before. And Mm. also more misery, you know, just kind of subjective misery than ever before. And the opportunity to say, Jesus, in the middle of all this, I worship you, Mm. like, is just really powerful. So, yeah, I've just been really blessed by, you know, getting to remember. That's sometimes another secret of preaching. You get to be the first one to remember, oh, yeah, this is so life-giving and good. (laughs) And thank you, God, that this was the passage that I had to think about for a month. Mm-hmm. So
0: That's definitely something that uh, you have taught me back when we worked together. Um, you know, I think sometimes we go about our daily, our routine in the morning, and sometimes I, you know, read a Bible scripture or pray or whatever, and it's like I don't always feel something come out of it, yeah. you know? But you you said to me once, like, Sometimes that's, that's okay, but it's the routine that you're getting in and you're still in the presence of God. And that's what's important. And I think for me, being aware of that presence of God has really changed me because, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life, but it's so easy to just be like Uzza and just go through the motions or whatever, especially working at a church. It's just easy to do that. But when we pay attention to the presence of God, we pay attention to the details Whether things are going good or bad, it's life changing and life giving. And, you know, maybe it's that one day you just feel a little bit better, you know, or maybe it's your whole life was changed because of the one day that you read this one passage. So I think it's just, it's that like, you know, routine that if we get into that and we get into paying attention to that detail in the presence of God, it is joy, joy giving. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That's right on. And, um, You know, one of the ways I think about it sometimes, there's this idea in neuroscience, the neuroplasticity of the brain. Like Mm -hmm. if you learn to play the violin, uh, your brain grows in different ways. Mm -hmm. Like the dexterity part and the uh, understanding the pitch cognitively, those parts of your brain actually grow larger, right? And it just, you know, I'm not a neuroscientist. If you are and you want to cancel us and never (laughs) listen to us again, I'll understand. But it strikes me... Maybe not neurocognitively, but something similar happens when we sell out to those routines. Mm -hmm. I grow steadily more able to sense the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And it's not those, sometimes when we aren't used to the presence of God and then we're suddenly in it, it's like this explosive magical thing. Right. But then if we grow our brains in such a way where we're kind of always a little bit more increasingly aware Mm -hmm. of it, it's like slowly over time we're thinking this different way we're really living this different life in partnership with god and that's what we miss if we only are after the magic you know and i could definitely be someone who's always after the magic but <laughs> it's yeah the
0: enneagram seven podcast yes now, that's or? right
2: that's right <laughs> you know whenever i talk about the enneagram with people i'm like preamble are you an enneagram person no okay then forget the next six minutes yep. of what i'm gonna say <laughs> But, yeah, Enneagram seven, always after the magic, so getting in the routine of making myself be mindful of God's really amazing for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: that's so good matt and you you kind of put a bow on this sermon with just pointing out the differences in circumstance how you how you approach those. Um, and when you worship with the living God, then you come alive. Mm. I thought that was really cool. So good. Yeah. How did you? How you get to that?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm endlessly fascinated by is just the first two chapters of the Bible. And uh, there's all this kind of modern research on what's happening in the first two chapters of the Bible. Is God is creating the cosmos as a temple, mm. and you know they make the argument the original hearers of Genesis 1 and 2 would have understood, oh, the architecture of the cosmos is like one of these uh, ancient Near Eastern temples Mm -hmm. that always featured in the end a statue of a god, a graven image of whatever god it was dedicated to. And in the Bible, the image, the graven image is a human being that we are made in the image of God. And it's supposed to be this depiction of universe is a cosmos and on like the ceremonial stage in the middle of this temple is a living human being who is the image of this living God. And what are humans made for? Well, we're supposed to channel the spirit of the living God out into the world. Mm. And that's what the graven images were supposed to do. They would do these rituals and like, uh, they have these crazy but resonating names. Like the opening of the mouth was this ritual that they would perform on a graven image so that the God would dwell inside of this bronze, gold image, whatever. And that's really pretty similar in Genesis to God breathed into human beings Mm -hmm. to give them life. Right. So we come alive when the living God lives through us. Like that's what worship is. uh, Or at least that's our experience of it is harkens back to the design for human beings. This is a series about being human, right? So what are we made for? We're made for the Spirit of God to dwell within us as we radiate it out into the world. And the place where we like choose, am I going to do that or not, it can be described as worship. Am I going to pay attention to the presence of God? Am I really going to let it flow through me? And yeah, so the concept of that's what humans are made for, to come alive as we You know, pay attention to the presence of the living God. And the way it's supposed to transform, you know, everything around us, this I think is rooted in like creation. This is what humans were made for. Now, because uh, that would have been a two-hour sermon, just completely cut all that out. That's like a footnote. This podcast is great for all the sermon footnotes. Yeah. Right. So.
0: That's literally was going to be my next question. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much in there. There's so much you could have talked about. Uh, you know, you already talked a little bit uh, about that a little bit. Is there anything else, any other like stories or big points that you like had it and you're just like, Oh, it doesn't fit or not enough time. You wish you could have kept in there.
2: Oof. Especially these old Testament stories, like every, every verse, every word has all this weight to it. So even to just explain it just takes forever. Mm -hmm. Right. And, the geography and the names, all these things are really meaning laden. So I completely omitted part of this story. You know, David's created this huge parade to bring the Ark into Jerusalem. It's really loud, tons of sacrifices. It says that he gives uh, an entire meal to every household in Israel. Like the hyperbole is intense. Right. But I cut out of there at different points in the parade, David's wife, Mm -hmm. who is the daughter of King Saul, McCall she loathes David for this display, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that would have taken forever to to unpack in any meaningful way. And in the end, again, this contrast, Uzzah is a descendant of Saul, McCall is a descendant of Saul, and the, the household culture of Saul's house uh, has become this toxic thing, mm-hmm. right? And part of what, the text is trying to depict is it's really weird to have a king and then the next king is not related to him. Mm -hmm. That would have been like a usurper or Mm. change the name of the country or, but the text is really first and second Samuel is really about, um, how does the story of the nation of Israel continue? Even though the line of the king has died out Mm -hmm. and it's because God's favor rests with David. Right. Um, and what is right in the middle of all of this is some pretty bloody politics. Like the story is told twice in first and second, uh, Samuel, and then again in, in first Chronicles. But like when David is anointed King, he has to kill off a bunch of people that think of him as a usurper. Like this is a bloody game of Thrones scenario. (laughs) And what I love about it is God is still at work in it. And a different direction that this text can go is you know how nasty politics are? It's always been nasty. Mm -hmm. And yet God real deliberately works right through all of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know politically what any of the answers are, except here in the beginning of second Samuel is this pretty powerful promise. Even when it's really nasty, like God can work through that. And a person in the middle of all that nastiness, the way David is, even a perpetrator sometimes can be committed to worshiping in this way, right? Mm-hmm. And that's even weird for us to think about that a big old sinner like David can still worship God like in truth and surrender to his will. But that's ultimately the gospel, right? That God removes the obstacle of our sins so that we may worship him. Uh, but yeah, I omitted that too because <laughs> big rabbit trail. It's funny that you mentioned to deal with. Game
0: of Thrones because I have thought sometimes reading the Bible, if they made like yeah, a totally. Game of Thrones yep. style show about the Bible. It would be so good. Like, yeah, totally. Good, but horrible. Yeah. And, but it's like, there's so much like horrible things, especially totally. in the Old Testament that I'm like, it would actually be kind of cool to watch mm. that.
2: Yeah. but Yeah, yeah. In the It would be uh, the most expensive show ever yeah. made by HBO. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Totally. I heard Richard Rohr say one time, uh, if you become a Christian and you learn how to pray and worship, after a few years, once people have verified your life's been transformed by love, then you can read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Like it comes last. <laughs> I so right? get that, yeah. So, yeah, in our spiritual tradition, it's one of the first things. We give people who are new to our church, here, you have a Bible. Uh, and if you have yeah. any questions, ask your campus pastor. <laughs> <laughs> How's that going for you? <laughs> it's great. It's my favorite part <laughs> of the Do you job. miss student ministries awesome. now? <laughs> yeah, I really do. But yeah, that, those texts are hard to digest. Mm-hmm. But once you get into them, you're like, oh, yeah, this is, this yeah. is great.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that was hard to digest for me is this theme of sacrifice where you said every six feet they were slaughtering yeah. animals yeah. and they were blowing horns. So what would that theme of sacrifice look like today?
2: So good. Uh, yeah, one of the t- a couple interesting ideas about sacrifice. One, it was widespread in across many cultures and religions. So I think there's something important to understand about the way God works through culture. Like we play a lot of music on Sunday mornings. It sounds to me like Coldplay. Is this some special kind of music? No, this is our cultural form of like opening our minds and hearts, right? Mm, So mm -hmm. animal sacrifice, as weird as it is to us, was the cultural form of opening minds and hearts. And then in the era of like animal rights and stuff, um, instead of treating animals better, we have just shoved it off in a corner in some industrial farm. So it's not like we're any nicer to animals, we just have removed ourselves from the equation of slaughtering them. No Mm. one knows where their last steak came from. So when we look down at it uh, for some ethical grounds, I'm not sure that totally checks out, but the real thing that opens it up for me is to imagine it more as a barbecue, that the people, if you offered a sacrifice, the priest who helped you offered it and yourself and God were the ones who would eat this meal together. And that gets lost some when Mm. like, we read the phrase offered a sacrifice, but Mm -hmm. it is designed to be this collective sacred meal that you're sharing with God. And that opens up this whole new meaning of like, this is supposed to be a very personal interaction, that this isn't just blood and gore, that this is actually a beautiful feast with different ingredients for different reasons and the priest, this was maybe one of his only meals of the day. So Mm -hmm. there's like something really important with that, uh, from a social justice perspective, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, and yeah, there are these crazy stories of these, you know, hyperbolic cataclysmic amounts of animal sacrifice. I thought about calculating up what's the distance between Benadab's house oh my gosh, and Jerusalem and every six feet they make a sacrifice. You're like, all right. It
0: took them three days yeah, to go that's down right. the street.
2: Three weeks.
1: Calculating?
0: You know. uh, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's it for us, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Right. We're
1: ah,
2: done here. <laughs> that's right. So I'm tendering my resignation yeah. to Menlo Church. Sorry, I'm, that's on me. Just witnessing yeah. that. <laughs> that's
0: great. It does remind me uh My first uh, youth pastor that I worked for would always say, and other people obviously say this too, but that the Bible was written, I always get this mixed up, the Bible wasn't written to you, but it was written for you. Meaning like, there's so so much like that, that we can't understand because it wasn't written to us. It was written to people at the time that sacrifice meant putting, you know, killing animals and worship meant X, Y, and Z. Whereas now it's obviously very different, but it's still for us in a way. We just have to, you know, work a little harder to figure out that, like, what does worship mean? What does sacrifice mean now in 2022? Yeah. And I've, that's so good. I try to remember that a lot.
2: Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I go both ways with that because part of me always wants to remember the Bible as scripture has been life-giving for 2000 years, mm-hmm. but it's also been horribly abused. Yeah. Right. Um. But now we live in an era where like what scholars call the historical task is a fund. like we can't ever not do that now. The historical question is open and can never be closed to say, we have to ask ourselves, how did the original hearers understand these words? That's the primary task. And then secondarily, what are our questions? And we start Bible reading by like forgetting the first one and focusing only on the second one. What are my questions as I read this text? And you kind of like can't avoid that, but if you can suspend that for a while and think about what did this mean to the first listeners, mm-hmm. then it opens up this whole wild, more life-giving mm-hmm. thing. Yep. But I, I lament that sometimes, maybe not in the age of the internet, but I'm like, is there a class element here of... Uh, like hmm. people need a library card now to <laughs> do the reference work, to understand this stuff. Yeah. Um, have we taken the Bible, uh, the Protestant idea is the Bible should be in the hands of the people. And just through scholarship, have we taken it out of the hands of people, made it inaccessible? Um, you know, that remains to be seen, but just listen to the Bible project and mm. this podcast and come on Sundays. You'll be good. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's it. You'll be check, good. Check, check. Yes. So Matt, before we go, you, you ended with a story about Mabel. Yeah. That was an incredible story. And part of me I doesn't believe cry. you that that was actually a real story. Right,
2: I know. Yeah, I kept working in Tom's name because it's like one of those magical stories that I don't want people... Every once in a while, somebody who only listens to 40% of the sermon comes mm-hmm. and is like, wow, did that really happen to you? Like, no, I read that out of a book. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you just need sometimes these really concrete examples of this is what this life looks like. Mm-hmm. And if someone in a much worse objectively or like culturally worse situation can do it, I can too. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I just love that so much. So yeah, you'll have to listen to the sermon for the details, but she's in a state run hospital and yet her mind is focused intently on the presence of God there mm. in a way that she's full of life, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I don't know when she actually passed away. That book is old, but decades later this woman's life is still moving our hearts yeah. only because she was determined to attend deliberately to the presence of God uh in the hospital there. Mm. Jeez. So good. It's amazing. Dude. Yeah. All I right. Know,
0: well, any lingering thoughts you want to share?
2: You guys know it was torture. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when I was recording this sermon, the microphone kept cutting out, oh, yeah. and so I had to read the Mabel story four times. Yeah, was, was it really like, four? Yeah, which oh. is like it got better. Yeah, you know, I got more fluid and in the zone with it, or something. But I was like, this is sort of emotionally burdensome to yeah. read this heartrending story four times in a row. <laughs> oh my God.
0: I did get a text. It wasn't you. He. Uh Ben, our wonderful production guy, said it was a loose jack on the body pack. Uh, they kept switching the microphone out for you yeah. and didn't even think about the body pack. God. So uh, Hopefully nobody notices and says, like, I was wondering what that was and when they were going to talk about it. Hopefully it right. all worked out in the end.
2: Final footnote to the footnote. Ben is incredible. Yes. yes. the best, Way to go, honestly. Ben. He Behind the, the scenes, best. absolute magician. We're really blessed yes. to work with Ben. Yep. Well Matt, do you want to shout out anything that's happening at the San Mateo campus? Yeah. Ooh, uh yeah. Big uh hairy audacious goal. Uh on August thirteenth, it's Serve Your City Summer Edition, mm-hmm. ton of our campuses. San Mateo campus uh is trying to package three uh two hundred and eighty five thousand meal kits it takes 300 volunteers and Ooh. that's a magic number that fills the entirety of the semi-truck trailer and then it can go from our parking lot to hungry people mm-hmm. and we tried this once before and we missed the number mm. and they had to take it like to other organizations to keep packing it and it took four months for uh. them to ship it so yeah we want to we want to hit the goal this time uh, it's gonna take everyone like we've ever met Margot, my seven-year-old daughter and I are scheming who of her classmates and their families oh. we can invite that oh. part's going to be really fun but yeah august 13th anyone everyone we got three shifts going all day and there's an ice cream treat at the end yeah but yeah we're mm. really excited about Your city summer edition up there
0: yeah it's such an easy ask to ask friends it's like you don't have to say anything about the bible and jesus to invite yeah. them it's literally do you want to help serve people
2: yeah people are hungry Easily, yeah. food sustainability is a unprecedented issue in our time do you want to help
0: yep yeah so go to menlo.church slash serve your city for all those details all of our campuses are doing that as well let's fill that truck oh, is yeah. that something it's if gonna be filled oh, it's move truck. that truck for oh, yeah. that old show uh, extreme makeover home edition i think oh, i watched it once and i've yet never I know that.
2: seen it i'm gonna threaten to bring a monkey
0: that's so what you don't i am gonna fill this say up, if i'm gonna fill bring this truck, monkey with the, the monkey.
2: monkey with the pointy teeth
0: Ooh. y'all yes. you better get to san mateo because you do not want to see that monkey
2: think about the puncture wounds no from that monkeys cool and with that <laughs> have a
0: great week everyone
1: we love you see you guys bye, bye.
0: thanks matt Well, thanks so much for listening. And our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week. We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays. And this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith whenever and wherever you're listening.
1: We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.